0: Hi, I'm McCoy. Hi, I'm Emily. And we're the Jazzy Gals. If you're looking for in-depth Utah jazz basketball analysis, this ain't it. <laughs> but if you are looking to discuss how great Rudy's beard looked this week, jazz Twitter crushes, or other fun pop culture things, you have come to the right place.
1: That's right. And you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. And also on Twitter at Jazz Gals Pod. Go Jazz! Go Jazz! <laughs>
2: What's up, folks? It's the recap edition of Hitting the High Notes Jazz Talking as I. I am here. It is Who Transuit Man at Who Trans-Suit Man on the IG and the Twitterverse. You can follow the, the podcast page at Jazz High Notes. And we're doing something new. We're starting some recaps. Some of the jazz are 2205. Uh, let's, let's just get started. I, I'm bringing on a good a good uh, podcast friend of mine, Adam Taylor, MBA. He's uh, the lead writer of Celtics Blog, at Celtics Blog. Adam, how you doing, man?
0: man i'm doing well thanks to i'm doing well it's been a it's been a hot minute we spoke before the game um over on the celtics blood podcast but uh it was a it was a tough watch for celtics fans everywhere
2: (laughs) i mean i mean it's been rough because like uh the celtics played last night and i ended up losing another game last night and and, uh kind of disappointing was it the thunder
0: it was the wizards which is worse the
2: wizards oh, the wizards that's right the bucks lost to the thunder right so the wizards right oh boy that's a tough loss so First of all, tell us, what, what is happening in Sussex land?
0: That's the million-dollar question, right? Like, they lost to Detroit um, uh, two nights before they lost to the Wizards. Uh, they lost to the Jazz. They've had, they have ran a bit of a losing streak at the moment. A, a bit of it might be come down to, like, um, fatigue, but I feel like that's a bit of an excuse. For me, the biggest thing is the, the youth on the bench. The lack of uh, experience is really starting to shine through now the season. We're getting deeper into the season. Teams are starting to lock in. They know what they're about. And then you look at the Celtics and they've got like four or five guys that have played under 100 NBA games. Probably three of those five have played under 50 NBA games. And now when teams actually are scheming against you because they know what your offense looks like, it's a lot harder to be effective. And I think we're seeing a lot of that come to the forefront.
2: Right, right. Um, uh, we we did an uh, NBA preview um, uh, you know, before the season started. Uh one of the co-hosts, Logan, um, was very excited about the Celtics, thought, thought they were going to be one of the top three teams in the East. It's, it's still possible, but, um, man, the East got a lot tougher, obviously, with the Nets there. The Bucks are still um, good, but kind of sliding. So the Celtics are right there in that 4-5 um, or five area. So we saw the the Jazz play them um, last week um, in Salt Lake City on TNT National Television. Jalen Brown was showing out. Jason Tatum um, uh, had a rough time. Kemba Walker still coming back from injury. We we all talked about this uh, on the on the preview um, uh, uh, when we uh, when I came on to the Celtics blog. Um, what did uh, when we talked about it? Was there anything that surprised you, or did we kind of nail on the head when we previewed it?
0: Honestly, I thought that the perimeter defense um, that the Jazz showed in the first half wasn't what wasn't as intense as what I expected. The Celtics seemed to be doing quite well from the perimeter, but then once the Jazz locked in. Um, it became a lot more difficult for Boston to get any looks they wanted. That was actually probably Kemba's worst game of the season against you guys as well, or one of the worst games of the season. He hasn't played many because he's been injured. Um, no, I think we nailed a lot of it. Like, obviously, you know it's going to be tough around the rim when you've got Rudy Gobert and Derek Favors swapping in and out. That rim protection's excellent. You guys really shrink the floor. We, we expected that. I just don't think that you provided as many mid-range opportunities as what I'd expect. Uh, you've done a really good job of um, taking away that mid-range shot, which is where I thought Boston were going to be able to kind of keep themselves in the game.
2: Yeah, I mean, because, um, uh, you know, you and I talked about it because the Jazz have to give it somewhere. And guys, they, they play well. They're, uh, you know, again, uh, we see this from a lot of teams. A lot of teams will drive in on Rudy Gobert, see Rudy Gobert and, like, you know, back up because they don't have a, a good shot. Um so the jazz i'm a, do end up winning that game i'm uh uh 20 to, to go 25 um what did you think about the jazz offense uh in that game
0: i mean you guys just know what team you are now right i mean you, there was no mike Conley, so i can't comment on how you guys operate when Conley's on the floor but very clever movement very excellent ball movement um You were finding the open three regularly. When the Celtics did push up on shooters, you were driving the close out and finding Gobert or Favours down low. I felt like the Celtics done a good job of maintaining um, a post presence for the most part. They didn't get lost on too many rotations. But the fact that Donovan Mitchell played so well and acted as a distributor in that game, and then the fact that you guys have so many good shooters from deep, um, it really made it tough. You've got an excellent inside-out game. And and the one thing is there isn't really a weak link in your top seven or eight guys. So your offense was exceptional. The the hardest part for me to kind of analyze was how you were beating the closeouts and still finding the open man on the uh, weak side slot. Like nobody, guys were lifting, but still there was always um, a full corner as well, which made it really difficult to rotate because you can never help us off the strong side corner and you, you'd, have some, you'd load the weak side with someone like Joe Ingles, and now all of a sudden you can't help off the weak side either. You put teams in really tough positions consistently throughout, um, throughout the forty-eight.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's uh, I, and we'll probably hear that because the Heat game which Jazz played most recently, a lot of the same things. Jazz kind of started off slow in the first half, uh, and then um, the Jazz went on like a 14-0 or something run in the third quarter, um, which kind of blew it open. Uh, we're seeing a lot, a lot of the Jazz are like stepping it up, um, making adjustments or, or just becoming more crisp as the game goes along. And um, a, a lot of people don't watch the Jazz. I mean, I, I don't blame them. You know, if, <laughs> if you're not in the market, you're probably not watching the Jazz. Uh, the Jazz are now 22-05. That was good reason. Um, uh, as you can see, you you, you saw firsthand um, a Tuesday night, um, Boston and Utah. You, you saw what, and you're talking about what made them so great. Um, so this is the first meeting. Uh, I believe the Jazz have one more meeting going down to Boston. So with the Celtics team, I mean, uh, you lost Hayward, right? was um, coming back from injury. Like you said, it was, it was two for 12. It was his worst, ga- worst game of the season. And you have um, uh, some, you know, you have ties. You have um, uh, Robert Williams. Um, but we're not quite sure what the post defense is for the Suns or for the Celtics is the night before or the day, game before the Suns um, uh, took the Celtics down in the post, right?
0: Yeah, they ran a lot of trail plays with Aiton and then they were using Aiton rolls as like moving screens. They were really creative in how they used it. And um, there was just no way of stopping it. And that's been an issue for Boston. Like they brought in Tristan Thompson to add some physicality to the post-defense. And while Thompson does do that, he doesn't have the height necessary to really be a rim protector. So when these bigger guys like DeAndre Aiton or the Joel Embiid are rolling towards the rim, Thompson's there to kind of slow down that roll or at least make guys think twice and maybe force the post up instead of just a dunk. But he doesn't have the the size necessary to really hold his ground against bigger guys. And you saw that with Gobert as well. Like Gobert would post him up and then it would just be a drop step and it was an easy lane to the basket. So they are struggling at the moment to find that post presence. But if you want an elite room protector, then you have to pay. And the Celtics just don't have the available cap space to be able to realistically pursue somebody. That's why I really wanted Derek Favors during the offseason. season
2: yeah, I was going to bring him up because, I mean, you had talked uh, very um, kindly about him. Uh, we talked earlier uh, before the game. Um, Derek Favors, like, I'm a, is very underrated around the NBA, um, even underrated when he went to New Orleans. Um, but, yeah, Derek Favors was probably, like, is he a guy you think the Boston Celtics were looking at in the offseason? I mean, Derek Favors signed very early in the offseason, but, like, I'm a, you know, we, we all understand the offseason really is going throughout the year. Um, do you think the Celtics were were on Derek Favors' radar? Do you think the Celtics were, were going to make a run for, for Derek Favors with uh, whatever cap space they had?
0: Honestly, I don't know. I, I, I'd like to think that that was an idea because you, you could see the defensive impact he had throughout the season for New Orleans last year, right? Like, they were a poor defensive team while he was injured. When he came back, that's when that team really got their act together and started making a surge up the Western Conference standings. Um, I think that Danny Ainge and the front office were so kind of, caught up in the gordon hayward ish, um like saga and are they gonna try and sign and trade him for a miles turner are they trying to get back some uh are they trying to force Sabonis? what are they trying to do with that i think that they got so wrapped up in that narrative and that little mini saga that by the time that kind of concluded the big guy the names that were most enticing guys like Derek favors had already signed for other teams and then they were left for the, that secondary and um tri tiers of guys that they had to kind of pick and choose from, which is how you end up with Jeff Teague as your uh, backup veteran guard.
2: <laughs> yeah, Jeff Teague um, uh, has not been great this year. Uh, I, I'm a little surprised. I thought it, as a backup point guard, he might be okay, but, man, has has not seen it. Um, yeah, and the, the Celtics are missing Marcus Smart, so maybe the second, you know that, that's really going to, you know, really improve that team. Um, I don't know what the Celtics are going to do around the trade deadline to help bolster that bench because we talked about how um, – there's some deficiencies um, on the on the subject bench that need to be uh worked on um but uh with the jazz 22 and 5 do you see this jazz team slowing down um uh, with what you saw on tuesday night
0: honestly i don't i feel like everything that you're seeing at the moment is very sustainable there's no you're not riding one hot guy right like generally when teams are having these like um supernova um, periods during the season it's because one or two guys have got like extremely hot and you know that eventually they're going to call off and then the records are going to start to level themselves back out but you guys are actually hot as a team right now it's as a unit you're not hiding behind donovan mitchell um joe ingles is playing great mike connelly's great but nobody's having that supernova type of year which means which indicates this is way more sustainable than just a hot streak um, so I think that you guys are going to be real tough throughout the regular season. And then the question becomes, can you replicate this type of basketball style and um, intensity throughout the playoffs when other teams are locked in as much? And that's where the the interesting part comes to me, because I feel like you guys at the minute are going to be a great regular season team. But we've seen it before. We've seen it with the Atlanta Hawks a few years back. We've seen it with... um the Milwaukee Bucks with the Clippers recently too. Like you can be a great regular season team, but once you hit the playoffs, you need to be able to translate that form over. And sometimes it's doable and sometimes it's not. And that's where the interest comes for me.
2: Yep. And then, um, uh, that's actually something we're probably going to bring up on our, our regular schedule, the um, uh, high notes uh, that we have this week, uh, Adam, real quick, real quick before we end here, um, the jazz, if, if they keep, if they stay as a number one seed in the West, um, if they say the number one seed at, at, at this pace, the All-Star game coming up right now, how many All-Stars do you think the Jazz will get?
0: Well, that's a tough question. I mean, I feel like two is minimum, right? Like, Gobert probably deserves the nod. Um, Donovan Mitchell deserves the nod. I haven't seen enough of your games to really, like, definitively say anybody else deserves it. If I did, then I'd be basing it off, like, a five-game sample size that I just don't think is fair on any other guys that would be getting voted in. But I'd say minimum two, right? Like, one would be kind of like a kick in the teeth.
2: Right, exa- exactly. And then Donovan, uh, like earlier in the season, uh, hasn't. So the the ironic thing is that with uh, Conley out, Donovan's really stepped up to all star numbers. When Conley was in, Conley was having all star numbers, but he has missed about five games, which is going to hurt his um, his uh, all star case. I would say so. Uh, I, I do want to finish with one more ironic thing: is that um, you mentioned Gordon Hayward, which is you know kind of it still hurts some Jazz fans because. Uh, He left the Jazz for, you know, and the Jazz got nothing back for him. And then he left the Celtics. How do Celtics fans feel about Gordon Hayward's tenure there in Boston? I
0: I think they appreciate him more now he's gone and the team's struggling than what they did when he was actually in the team. Uh, I was really fortunate to speak to him during the hiatus about how he was staying fit and how he was finding life in Boston and stuff. And he was a really pleasant guy, really nice guy. Uh, i feel like a lot of it is like uh it's a bit of a bittersweet kind of thing because there was a lot of missed opportunity during this time in boston with the foot injury then the recovery then we find out that there's like some nerve damage that needed to be operated on so we never really got to see the gordon hayward that we signed from utah and only now now he had um like repetitive surgery in the off season before going to Charlotte, is he reaching that level again? So it's kind of a, it's a bittersweet thing, right? Because he was, um, he gave everything to the team while he was there. He missed the birth of his son to be um, available for a playoff game against the heat. So look, he was a consummate professional, but unfortunately it just never worked the way everybody hopes it would.
2: Right. Right. And um, uh, yeah, it is. um, uh, It is what it is. Uh, Adam. I just want to say thank you. uh, You know, follow him at Adam Taylor, NBA, uh, and also at the Celtics blog or at Celtics blog, excuse me, not, no duh. Um, Adam, are you still looking to move across the pond here? Like you're, you're in England. Uh, you know, I, I'm trying to schedule pod interviews with you at 2 a.m. your time, apparently. <laughs> but um, uh, are you still trying to move over across the pond um, uh, to get an NBA job here?
0: Yeah, that's that's the plan. I mean, um, I say this to everybody. It's kind, it's a really vicious circle, right? So um, I can't move without getting a job because there's no work visas. Um, if you have no work, evidently. And um you can't get a job unless you live stateside because so it's a really, really oh.
1: like,
0: yeah, trying to figure out how to crack that that vicious <laughs> circle is uh so if anybody listening wants to hire me, then hit me up and we can uh we can discuss um a salary package and everything, and then all you need to do is sponsor me and the family for some uh work visas. But that's that's the plan. Unfortunately I've missed out on a few opportunities due to this.
2: Oh, well, um, I, 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 so I, I'm sure for you, I'm sure for you and Keith Smart MBA, another um uh blog contributor. So trying to get you guys um uh yeah, let's let's get you let's get you to the States and get you a job here because you're you're one of the um best MBA followers that I follow out there. So um uh it's good to have you have you on and talk to you, man.
0: Yeah, I appreciate that. Who man, and it's good to speak. It's been a hot minute.
2: Yep, thanks. All right, folks, and now we're back and we're here. Uh he is at, at Andrew G underscore MBA. At Andrew G underscore MBA, he is a contributor. For the Brew Hoop SB Nation um, uh, blog, there. Hi, Andrew. Thanks for joining us.
3: Hey, who? Really appreciate you having me on. How are you?
2: i uh, doing well. I mean, I'm uh, you know just working, and I, I'm here in Jazzland. It's a little snowy. It's a little cold, but the Jazz are winners of the last 18 of 19 games. So you know, very excited here in Utah.
3: Yeah. You know, I mean, I wish I could say the same about the cold over here in Arizona, but you know, winter is just non-existent here. Uh, so
2: you're in arizona but you're you're a bucks fan or
3: yes that's correct so i was actually born and raised in los angeles which you know you might be thinking uh bucks fan you know living in la that doesn't make sense but you know growing up i did have some family within the bucks organization so i was raised a bucks fan went over first time in milwaukee i must have been like 10 11 years old that bucks team must have been you know a 31 team you know watching michael red Charlie Villanueva and all those guys, you know, I just fell in love with uh, the Bucs and the city of Milwaukee and, you know, 25 years old now and yeah. here we are.
2: Uh, yeah. Um, uh, that's uh, and, and now you're right for the Brew Hoop, really exciting. And um, you're of the Bucs who have a Supermax player and um, uh, he's decided to stay with Milwaukee. Very exciting. I, I think I said this on Twitter that I think mm-hmm. the Bucs are a model or should be a model that a lot of small teams should want to, uh, small market teams should want to see succeed because they kept their Supermax player and now they have to put the pieces together to make sure they're competitive for the next, you know, four or five years.
3: Right. Absolutely. You bring up a great point. And, you know, during the Jason Kidd years, um, with Giannis, things weren't really working out as planned. And of course, unfortunately, Jabari Parker had all this promise, ended up tearing his ACL twice, which kind of derailed their development a little bit, but you know, just the way the Bucks were able to rebrand, you know, they have this brand spanking new Pfizer form arena, which I have not been to yet, but I can't wait to go, you know, once everything clears up with COVID. But yeah, you know, I was a little bit worried, you know, whenever you have a player like a talent, like Giannis Adetokounmpo, and you are in a small market and, you know, you're surrounded by Lakers, Heat, Knicks, you know, these great franchises that just have a ton of cash to throw these players, you know, it does make you worried, especially with when you look at the Bucs, you know, aside from making the Eastern Conference Finals and Coach Booneholzer's first years, they've really, you know, underachieved for the most part. But I also think this speaks um, to the character of Giannis and who he is as a person. And I believe, you know, the Bucks gave him 250 million reasons to resign. And And, you know, speaking on my behalf, if you throw that much money at me, you, you know, I don't care where I'm going to be living. That's more than enough for me.
2: Right, right. Um, and, and, you know, and all the Jazz, I'm, uh, we're able to keep uh, Rudy Gobert and Don Mitchell. So, yep. you know, this is trying to be a big one for the small markets here. Um, so the reason we're having you on, we're doing a little recap of the week here. Uh, the Bucks, um, uh played in Utah, and I don't know if you noticed, but the Bucks have had a really bad history playing yep. in Utah.
3: To say uh, the I think least. the last
2: time they won, 2001, I think it was the last time the, the Bucks won in Utah. That was still like that was still like the, that was like the tail end of Malone and Stockton um, uh, mm-hmm. um, yeah so uh, it, it's been a while um, so I gotta say uh, okay I'm still there anyway, I gotta say um, with this last game I mean the Bucks are you know still very good in the east uh, the Bucs I uh, lost in Utah last year off of Boyar Bogdanovich uh, mm-hmm. three in the corner uh, but the Jazz have beat the Bucks twice this year in those two games, what have you seen from the Jazz Bucks that, that impress you?
3: You know, I'm just going to say it right now, that thank God that the Utah Jazz play in the Western Conference, because if you look at the way this team is constructed, they are just the perfect storm for the Bucks. just the way they play offensively and defensively. You know, every time, it doesn't really matter who's coaching, Jason Kidd, Mike Budenholzer, whenever the Jazz do play the Bucks, it's just this multitude of three-pointers being made. It's like a barrage, and I just love, how unselfish the Utah Jazz play. And, you know, like I said, just the way they share the ball, they have – I think Joe Ingles plays a huge part in why they're so effective against the Bucs is he is a big guy who can shoot the basketball, but he and Gobert, that, you know, one-two punch, they just play so well together, create a lot of problems and a lot of spacing issues as well when you have Joe Ingles, who's, you know, shooting seven and nine from deep and hitting six threes in the first half.
2: Yeah. um, uh, The Jazz get the Bucks in the middle of their – you know, the. the the Jazz have been facing the celtics the bucks and Heat, all who are on a um a west coast trip and i'm in the middle of it, the sixers tonight uh the, as you said the bucks the bucks allow a lot of threes right um uh, their defense yes. um, uh, dictates that uh, they, they want their opponents to shoot threes and i guess the jazz that that, that did not work out very well for, for them
3: you know and here's the thing with the addition of drew holiday you know he's been out for uh, it's been about a week now for health and safety protocol. I have no idea when he's going to be back, hoping for, you know, speedy recovery and hope everything is well with him. Health, you know, being foremost of importance. But yeah, you know, the addition of Drew Holiday is great defensively. They now have a guy who is accustomed to switching defensively Pri- the two years prior. Um, the Bucks have been running this drop coverage where, you know, they're allowing a lot of three-point shooters. They want the bigs to shoot threes. They'll let the bigs beat them from deep. And They're also going to give up that, little in-between floater game, but now with Drew Holiday, you know, this season they've been switching a little bit more. They haven't been fully committed to switching, but they're also not, you know, committed to dropping their drop coverage. So they're kind of in this weird in-between, and it is encouraging to see Mike Budenholzer try these different, you know, defensive adjustments, but without Drew Holiday, the one player on this roster who is really good at switching, you know, basically one through five defensively on the floor, you're going to have a lot of problems, and that was, you know, exemplified in this loss against the Utah Jazz they were just you know getting Brooke Lopez in these situations where he's getting switched out to Donovan Mitchell and you know how we know how that ended you know Donovan Mitchell did a great job of getting to the foul line and you know some of these passes he was making are just you know otherworldly it was um you know I don't watch every Jazz game but I think this is probably going to go down as one of their best performances their game against the Bucs.
2: Yeah, um, uh, the Jazz. um, uh, uh, And and, like, there's one play in particular that took out of my mind. Is so the Boyan gets caught in the air or catches the ball in the air Mm -hmm. before he even lands, throws it behind his back to Donovan in the corner. Donovan, with one hand the whole time, just flicks it across the court to a Joe Ingles who catches it and shoots and drains the three. Uh, Very good play. And then uh, obviously Rudy had uh, we called it over here in the business defensive player of the year on defensive player of the year crime um, uh, with the dunk. Mm -hmm. yeah, the jazz, yep. the jazz play very well. Um, uh, uh they, they want to shoot a lot. So what do you think of um, uh, this Jazz team? Yeah, you you've seen them twice now. Um uh what do you think they're going to do in the West?
3: You know, there's something about this Jazz team that just feels different than prior years, you know, just they're getting contributions from across the board. I mean, they handled this, you know, the Bucks lost by what was it 14 points, but you know, the score was really never close after the first quarter even. When the Jazz were up by six, to me, it felt like a 14-point deficit just with how well the Jazz play cohesively, offensively, and defensively. You know, you're winning against a good Bucks team even without Drew Holiday. You're getting, you know, 3-10 performance from Bogdanovich from the field. He only scores nine points. Royce, Royce O'Neal doesn't score, but we know he doesn't need to score to make a huge impact. But then, you know, for me, what really sets the Jazz apart was the addition of Jordan Clarkson. And... Jordan Clarkson offensively has evolved from a guy who is just, you know, a microwave scorer, very hidden missed a guy. You know, you're just gonna give him the ball, let him go to work, and you know, what you see is what you get. And what I love about Jordan Clarkson and, you know, as he was torching the Bucks is these shots that he makes, you know, he makes that they're so difficult, but he makes it look so easy. And I just think having that addition off the bench, some guy who can play close to starters minutes and he's just gonna give you a, you know anywhere from 15 to 20 points on a nightly basis.
2: Right. I'm uh, Jordan playing a little bit more because Mike Conley is uh, currently out with a, with a hammy right. issue. Um, so we, we're getting close to the All-Star game. I, I'm asking all the guests this right now. If the Jazz – you know, the Jazz have the Sixers tonight. Or mm-hmm. when they record it, it's going to be tonight. So I don't, the, uh, when your, people are listening, it will probably be tomorrow. But uh, the Sixers, the Clippers, and the Lakers, if the Jazz can get through this stretch um, uh, winning at least half the games, um, they have a good chance of being the number one seed in the West. Uh, the Jazz are number one team in the West by the time the coaches vote for the reserves and everything. Mm -hmm. How many all-stars do you think the Jazz get on this team, the all-star team?
3: Hmm. Well, you have two all-stars for sure in Mitchell and Gobera. And, you know, it wouldn't be shocking to maybe see, you know, we have, we're going to have players who are going to drop out because of injury. So you are going to need to have some fill-ins. So, you know, it wouldn't be surprising if, and all the Jazz end up with, um, three all-stars, you know, if you can throw Mike Conley or Jordan Clarkson in that mix. And, you know, Mike Conley has always been a personal favorite player of mine, even when he was back with the grit, grind grizzly squad. And that's another thing, you know, Mike Conley was missing from this Bucks game. And, you know, it's like the Jazz, they didn't miss a beat.
2: Uh, like, like I said, the, the Bucks are, are in the middle of a road trip of uh, what they were in the middle of a tro- road trip when they played the Jazz. I think they finished up uh, with the Thunder, I, I they, uh, with the loss of the mm-hmm. Thunder. Um, how worried are you about the Bucs team um, uh, this year?
3: Yeah, so this road trip, you know, it started off well with two wins against the Cavaliers. You know, those are games that the Bucs should win. And then, you know, once they came out west, it started with the Nuggets. They got a huge win there. You know, the Bucs, there are certain cities in the Western Conference that the Bucs just really never play well. And Utah being one of them, Phoenix being the other. And Denver is just, as we know, it's always just a really tough place to play. And I thought that was really momentum. Momentum shifting victory without Drew Holiday, tory Craig came in did a great job on Jamal Murray defensively, but then the problems started. You know, at Phoenix, you know, had not having Drew Holiday there, they were getting exploited. Devin Booker and Chris Paul they were both you know creating a lot of action. You know, just so good at dodging screens and creating open shots for their teammates. And you know, going into the Jazz game, it's almost like a given that the Bucks are going you to know, lose to the Jazz. I'm. Not sure what's, you know, in the water in the city of Utah, but it just seems it's impossible (laughs) for them to win there. And whenever they play, it's not really close. And then their road trip ended with a 114-109 loss against the Oklahoma City Thunder. And it's going to be really tough with them to play defense without Drew Holiday. And it's actually showing a little bit of what they need. You know, the buyout and trade deadline is coming up. And I think Brooke Lopez here is getting a little bit exposed and you know it's not all his fault but if you're gonna switch defensively brooke lopez is just far too slow to keep up with guards and it's you know putting the bucks not in a great situation here defensively so you know i am panicked a little bit when you talk about the bucks defensively just because if they are going to switch even when holiday returns you know it's to be seen how brooke lopez is going to do and you know he's already shown that he's you know struggling it's these five four games without Drew Holiday on the switch. So, that to me is what I'm keeping my eye on the most. And what I am most concerned about is that if the Bucs do commit to switching, you know, are they going to end up playing Bobby Portis more? Portis really isn't a great rim defender at all. Brook Lopez has slowed, or not has slowed because he's always been slowed, but you know, he's not playing to the defensive level that he was the prior two seasons, which is a big problem for the Bucs.
2: And uh, I mentioned like, you know, Milwaukee and Utah, both small market teams. Um, mm-hmm do you feel Milwaukee fans like yourself even um, do you feel this pressure now to try to keep Giannis happy for the next four or five years? Because, you know, he's a super, you know, he's your main piece. Now you have to like figure out how to keep him and Middleton and build a roster around, around that.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I think whenever you have a talent like Giannis, there's always going to be this pressure to win a championship, even though he just inked hey, that super max, you know, what if, all fails in the post-season this year, the Bucks are our first, second run exit. And then, you know, next year, it's kind of more the same than it's, well, we know Giannis, great teammate, great person. You know, he's not like your typical superstar who's going to join a super team, which is what I love when you look at the dynamic between the Jazz stars and the Bucs stars. But I think there's always going to be pressure when you have Giannis. And, you know, if this uh, post-season goes poorly. You know, we'll see what happens. They gave up a lot of assets for Drew Holiday, which, you know, I'm being upfront with everyone. I'm totally fine with the assets that they gave up for Drew Holiday, but they're, you know, limiting themselves now because there are glaring needs that need to be addressed during the buy-on trade deadline that, you know, are they going to be able to go and afford a guy like P.J. Tucker or someone like that?
2: Yeah, good point. uh, And, you know, good luck. I mean, Bucks are a team I like to watch. I'd cheer for Giannis. Um, I, I really any small market team I'm all for, so um, uh, I'd, rather, I'd rather see them. Yeah, like I'm. Uh, I think I think uh, for me personally, as a jazz fan, I'd rather see the Bucks go do well than the Sixers or the Celtics. You know,
3: so it's music to my ears. <laughs> well,
2: um, Andrew again. I'm, uh, so uh, Andrew G underscore NBA. Um, uh, you have a couple articles out uh, recently for Boohoo.
3: Yeah, you know what? So I'm heavy on their game coverage. So if you go to BrewHoop, I, you know, you'll see my game recaps. So I've taken a little bit of a step back from, you know, the longer read article. So right now I've just been strictly um, doing game coverage and I have been, you know, a fill in on their uh, Twitter account whenever our main guy, Kyle, cannot fill in.
2: Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us today on Hitting the High Notes and uh, we'll talk to you later, man.
3: Thank you so much and good luck to the Jazz the rest of the season. Thank you. Alright folks,
2: and for our last recap here, it's Jazz Heat, and we bring on a friend of the podcast, he's back. Welcome to Swisher Mode. What's up, at Swisher Mode? How you doing, man?
1: What's going on, man? I'm doing pretty well. I you know, can't complain, other than, you know, y'all bludgeoning my team the other day, but other than that, it's all good.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so we're, talking, we're talking about Jazz Heat, right? So um, uh, the heat on um, uh, a lot of the teams that Jazz in just space, um, uh, including the, the Philadelphia 76ers, Celtics, Bucks, all on a West Coast swing. Mm-hmm. the Heat um, uh, in Utah the Heat were actually um, uh, rolling pretty well the Heat had won like four games in a row yeah. prior to this Jimmy Butler was back um, yep. but then um, uh, what did you see from the Jazz like the Jazz game started off kind of badly for the Jazz mm-hmm. I mean the Jazz were down by two points in the first quarter that's, that's what Kosti says bad for the Jazz now yeah <laughs> Uh, um, but then um, uh, second half I mean, I mean the Jazz were on, like a 14-0 run or something they
1: yeah started they started the quarter 16-0 yeah yeah it was all bad.
2: Yeah, but so what um, do you see what what did you see like um, uh, that game? Like um, uh, how it started and how it ended.
1: Um, as far as, you know, I was watching it and I was looking at, you know, the way we started moving with the ball, you know, everybody was getting touches and I noticed that, you know, we we're playing a more Miami Heat type of basketball, you know, that I saw last year. And, you know, shots are falling, you know, we we're playing good defense, the jazz, you know, they were somehow missing their shots. And then, you know, once we got in the rhythm, we kinda like it seems like we kind of got in the rhythm too early and then when we needed it most, like we couldn't get stops, you know, we couldn't stop you guys' ball movement. And, you know, when y'all start hitting y'all shots, y'all are are pretty much the hottest team in the league. It's hard to you know stop you guys from scoring and y'all move the ball a lot, like kind of like reminiscent of like the 2014 Spurs. So it's, it's difficult to guard that, but I think that's what made you guys go on that run and eventually take away the game from us. At least that's from what I saw.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, I'm glad you brought up the 2014 Spurs because uh, uh, this is just uh, we'll, we'll have a regular episode with Logan, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that one of the comparisons that he said was the 2014 Spurs as well. So, mm-hmm. um, so, but yeah, like I mean, we saw the Heat, so well, one thing I noticed is the Heat turned over the ball. Are the Heat pro the turnovers, or are the is the Jazz with the Jazz defense stepping it up?
1: It, it's a mix of both. I mean, lately Miami has you know toned down their turnovers, especially since Jimmy has been back, but they have always struggled you know with the turnover issue like especially um last season it was a big issue for us you know it cost us games in the long run because you know we gave up too many uh fast break points or you know we gave up you know second chance opportunities because we couldn't take care of the ball and you know the other team would out hustle us it's stuff like that that you know really swings the game and it kind of applies this year you know like i said since jimmy's been back has been down but I mean, we still have our games, you know, where we look like we're like a a high school basketball team. And it kind of, you know, hurts us in the end. But, I mean, those are mistakes that, you know, have to be fixed. And they will be fixed, hopefully, in the long run.
2: I mean, I I don't watch a lot of Heat game, but, like, I'm going to look at the stats of the game that night. Bam um, uh, Adebayo, 14-10, assists, Jimmy Butler, Fifteen mm-hmm. on three of ten shooting, uh, eight rebounds, mm-hmm. five assists. I mean, Jimmy Butler had a triple double the night before. I want to say.
1: Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, against uh, Houston. Yeah. Uh, I
2: don't want to put words in your mouth, but um, uh, tell me, was this Gobert? Was this was this was Gobert having an impact on the Heat?
1: I think, as far as you know, we like to we like to shoot a lot of threes, but also when we attack the paint, it's a matter of you know our aggression. You know, I notice sometimes Bam he struggles against the the bigger big man, you know, somebody like a Gobert or, you know, maybe even a Joel Embiid. I mean, he held his own against Embiid last year, but it's sometimes for Bam, he struggles with the taller bigs. And when you have a defensive center like Gobert, of course it's going to be some kind of a struggle because, you know, he's a defensive player to hear for a reason. And I think, I think with that, you know, that rim protection is kind of, it made it kind of tough for us because, you know, we get used to attacking the paint and drawing fouls and stuff like that. And, we kind of went away from that. We were shooting too many threes and turned the ball over too much. So, you know, we kind of got thrown off our game. And once you guys got hot, I mean, it was it was nothing we could do. But I, I do give credit to Gobert and his defense and your team defense as as you know pretty much a whole.
2: Yeah. I mean, i a Jazz. Our top five in offense and defense. I'm a, mm-hmm. a, you know, a winner of the eighteen of the last nineteen. Um, yep. So, what what impressed you most about this Jazz team that you saw in the game was it? Was it the offense was passing, was shooting, was it defense, or or a combination of any of those things?
1: I would I would say a combination of different things on the offensive end. You know, I know Donovan kind of struggled a bit from the field, but Donovan is taking a step. Whereas, you know, he he realized he doesn't have to be the only scorer in the offense. You know, the way you guys move the ball, like I said, is kind of spursy. So, you know, when everybody's getting a rhythm like that it makes it easier for your team to, you know, build up confidence. You know, it makes it simpler to get open looks. And that's the way – the way you guys play is is really smooth basketball. So, I, I noticed that at the most. And then your defense, you guys have always had a pretty solid defense as long as Go Bears has been healthy. But this year it seems like it's ramped up a little bit more. So, you guys are playing a tougher brand of basketball. And, you know, it seems like the rest of the league isn't really keeping up right now except for, you know, teams like obviously the Lakers and, you know, the Clippers. Right. but. You guys are yeah. y'all looking like a really good team this year, and this is this is one of those years where you know it's the NBA is in a state of I don't want to say weirdness, but it's like game like it's so many teams that you know they look like they're going downhill, or so many teams on the rise, and you guys are definitely on the rise.
2: Right, and so I'm um, like, yeah, uh, you, you mentioned so the Jazz have games against the Sixers, Clippers, mm-hmm. Lakers, uh, two Clippers, a Laker, and a Hornet game, which is not it was was not, which is not a give me, um, yeah. Uh, like, um, uh, do you have a prediction about how do you think the Jazz are going to fare
1: against the Clippers and the Lakers? Um, I think against the Clippers, it I think it depends on you know the Clippers' health because I know Kawhi Leonard isn't playing tonight against Miami, and then if PG is back and Kawhi is back, I think it'll make for a good matchup. But I think you guys can probably get out of that one. And then with the Lakers, you know they don't have AD now; it's they're going to have to rely a lot more on the depth that they've signed this summer. But I could see that being a game that I feel like, I don't know. I think that one's going to go – I can't really pick. That's one of those games that goes – you know, it's really a matter of either way. But I can see how both – either team could win that game. And if the Jazz win it, I think it's going to come down to, you know, the defense of the Lakers. Sometimes they do have games where, you know, they kind of lapse and it hurts them in the long run. And, you know, they have games where they start off slow, but you can't do that against a team like Utah.
2: So what, what does it talk about, like, the Jazz, like, nationwide, do you think? Um, uh, a lot of people are – we see it, and a lot of Jazz fans are hopping on the – everybody is disrespecting the Jazz. But do yeah. you think the Jazz are getting respect, or you think the Jazz are a hot team? Like, I mean, in your mind nationally, what do you think the Jazz um, are?
1: I think it's a it's a mix of both. Like, I think there are people who, you know, see it as – kinda of like fluky or it's it's twenty fifteen Hawks all over again. But I don't I don't really like to discredit teams like that because if a team is playing this hot almost thirty games into the season, it, it there's no way it's just gonna be, you know, fluky basketball. You can't win, you know, seventy five percent of your games just off of fluke basketball like that. You know, they're playing a really well sounded and well rounded game of basketball. And I think nationwide is just teams and you know, the media are starting to kind of catch on. But I don't think they should be writing off the Jazz like they, you know, some of them are. You know, some of the bigger names in media seem like they're kind of downplaying the Jazz, and I don't think that's a team you want to downplay. I've seen them get hot. You know, I just saw them get hot against my team, so that's somebody I'm not going to count them out in any situation.
2: Yeah, and so let's let's finish on the Heat here. Um, uh, this is a team that in our NBA preview we thought the Heat were going to be at least in the middle of the East. Right. Um, Jimmy Bull has been injured, but like, is anything else going on with this team? Like, what's going on here that I'm,
1: uh, um,
2: that I'm uh, affecting this Heat team?
1: Um, from my assessment, I'll say this: um, Jimmy missing games because you know the health and safety protocols. It kind of it messed us up. It messed our rhythm up because I felt like if he hadn't missed those games, I think our record would be flipped. I think we would be 15 and 11. But I mean, it is what it is. You know, we knew what it was coming into the season, but I think our glaring issues are, you know, we need somebody else that can go score the ball and we're in need of another four, you know, somebody that can fit next to Bam. That's why I really wish we didn't let Jay Crowder go, but he wanted years on his contract and Pat Riley wasn't really trying to do that in hopes of Giannis. So I kind of understand, but in the long run, it's like uh, we we need an upgrade at the four, and we need another shot creating guard. You know that's why I wish we can go get Beal. As simple as it sounds, but that's you know that's easier said than done. But I think that's our glaring issues right there, and then tightening up the defense. Other than that, I I don't really see too many problems with this this year. We just need a couple moves, and I think we'll be right back in the hunt. You know we're like a game out of I think six plays right now, so. I think we'll be right there in the hunt as long as we make the right moves and get our team in rhythm.
2: Right, all right. Well, that, that's keep jazzing, but we'll see you for um, uh, Game Two um, uh, in the yep. of the second half season, I, I believe. So, uh, yep. where can they find you on Twitter, man?
1: Um, they can find me on Twitter at SwishoMode. mode. You can follow me. You know, I talk basketball. I talk a bunch of different things on there, man. I love talking basketball the most. So, if you want to follow yeah. me, support the brand, YouTube channel. I have all of that in my bio at my link tree. So. Oh yeah. It what do you What
2: do um, uh, you What do what What's on your YouTube?
1: Uh, I have a gaming channel. I pl- I mostly play NBA 2K. You know, I stream, I upload videos, do stuff like that. So you know, if people want to check it out, my link tree is in my bio. You can go subscribe. I'm at 1.6 thousand subscribers right now, trying to grow the channel. Oh, so, yeah.
2: Nice. Right, am so uh, uh. That's at uh, social mode on Twitter. I'm uh. You- mm-hmm. That was the episode, obviously. Hey, uh, Thanks. Uh, thanks for coming on. And I'm uh, talking a little. I'm a uh, jazz heat with us.
1: All right, no problem. Thank you for having me.
2: Hey, thanks for listening to Hitting the High Notes, the Recap Edition of Hitting the High Notes. Uh, follow me on @hootrasmann tra- and um, at Jazz High Notes on Twitter and IG. Um, and we'll continue with our regular scheduled program. Hope you enjoyed these bonus episodes. i um, uh, and I'm um, uh, hearing these other guys talk about the twenty-two and five jazz uh, and the jazz. Um, as we're recording tonight, we'll be playing the Philadelphia Ten in just a few minutes.